edition of Talk A Good Game. Welcome back, guys. Everybody out there in, in uh, podcast land and listen to us and our followers. We appreciate anybody who does listen to us and, uh, uh, you know, we want to hear any views that people have out there. I'm with Fergal Lynch here today for another edition of, of this uh, podcast. And, um, Fergal, how are you? Good, Jimmy. How are you? Um, yeah, we missed last week. Again, I can't remember why we missed last week's podcast. I think, I think Martin... Yeah, maybe, yeah. But anyway, as Martin keeps saying... Stop pointing out why there wasn't a why there wasn't a podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Martin we, we is missed our out. Excellent but producer. We missed know. out. He is. Out, so he does a great job. But we did miss out on one. Um, but we had done a couple of bonus ones in the week before because we had had a burn cup stuff. On. Yeah. But uh, this week, Jimmy, we had a busy weekend. Of course, on Friday night we had our Mead Sports Awards, yes, which, uh, by all accounts, from talking to other people. Uh, seemed to have been a huge success when when you're stuck in the middle of them like we were trying to organise it and present it it's hard to know how well it went but from your own recollection of the night Jimmy and the foggy haze drifted off how do you think it went? Well, you know, it's a great night for meeting people in sport that you, uh, a lot of people you've, you know about, of course, your PROs say, or club people that you you talk to them maybe on the phone. So it's great to meet up with them. But also we had some luminaries there, shall we say, put it that way, who are, who are well known in in the broader spectrum of the sporting world. Peter, people like Gordon Elliott and uh, Graham Garrity, and they, they spoke with Eamon Murray. You had a, a piece uh, that was a, it was a very good piece, Fergal, on in terms of um, uh, talking to them on the stage and just their, it was very revealing about their their lives and so on. And yeah, we just had a bit of a fireside chat type of thing where the three the three lads sat down um, and and we just spoke about uh, we just tried to get a different thing rather than you know how good was that win and did you enjoy that win? We just wanted to delve a little bit deeper into just how important the Mead community is to those three fellas. And they all had their own, you know, different aspects. So we spoke to Graham Garrity, of course, about his illness and great news that he revealed that just before Christmas, he had actually gotten the all clear uh, following the uh, the brain um, aneurysm or type yes. thing that he had yeah. a couple of years ago. So thank God he got the all clear and he looks well and he was in great yeah. form on great Friday form, night yeah. and great stories to tell as well. And of course, uh, I spoke to Gordon Elliott about his, uh, the dark clouds that hung over him during his uh, turbulent times in his career not so long ago. And um, he spoke about the importance of the local community and helping him, you know, keep his head up and navigate through those murky yeah. waters at the time. And he was very contrite, I have to say. He fully accepted responsibility for what happened and was really sorry uh, for what happened and also revealed that he had gotten letters of support from uh, all the Summerhill players and, and the likes of Eamon Coughlin and Alex Ferguson sent him Alex a letter, Ferguson, you know, yeah, wishing yeah, him yeah, yeah. wishing him the best of luck and, and just advising him to keep his head up and that sort of thing. So uh it was a it was a great little chat and Eamon Murray revealing as well, just you know, the sense of uh walking down the street and meeting somebody and, and somebody coming up and telling them about how much joy the Mead ladies had brought them in his life, that they mm. were the stories that Eamon loved to hear you know he could talk about football all day and all night and he but, he, but he loved hearing the stories that people would come up to him old people would come up and say oh during the dark times of Covid and how mead ladies had given them so much joy and given us all so much joy but yeah it was a magnificent night Jimmy um, and Eamon uh, there he, he he won the overall award 
uh, overall sports award for 2022 as of course he was manager of the Mead ladies team that won the second All-Ireland their, their second All-Ireland and, and their first ever National second Football League all Ireland, yeah, second senior All-Ireland second senior All-Ireland third All-Ireland and National um, Football League first ever Division 1 National Football League title so they won the double in, in that in 2022 of course so uh, Eamon came up to collect the award it was for it was, he was the sports person of the year but he he said as we knew we kind of, that he would that it, it, this was he was merely just representing the players the team the backroom team and everybody the, the logistics people everybody involved in, in this project mm. he was just representing them yeah uh, it was a very it was a very emotional uh response from him to winning the award uh, it was pointed out to him you know that he had been nominated for RTE sports awards and manager of the year and the whole lot and he said yeah that, they're all great and lovely and all but he said this is the one that meant the most to him uh, to, to win to be nominated yeah. by his own local people and to be recognised by your own local people is very important they're the people you see down the street and he was amazed by the depth of talent in the room as you already alluded to you know you, you people there have uh, not just local uh, star quality, but national and international star quality. You know, young, uh, a man like Dermot McLaughlin, who's won the Irish Grand National two years in a row. You Niall Cornyn, who's the national triathlon champion. Uh, you had uh, Jack Douglas and Sam Curtis, both of whom have represented Ireland at uh, Jack at amputee football in the World Cup at amputee football and Sam Curtis at underage level for Ireland as well. And, mm. um, you know, we had... Castletown represented for their remarkable 2022 nominated for club of the year, or for team of the year and coach of the year and Trim Celtic and, and Robbie Horgan nominated coach of the year and team of the year it was just a, a great night and, and maybe we just give a let people know maybe who won the award so the Outstanding Achievement Award went to uh, Dermot McLaughlin who well, as we said was the two time won his second successive Irish Grand National when, when Lord Lariat won on Easter Monday uh, and our young sports person of the year award went to Jack Douglas, the Manalvi man who, uh, or Manalvi boy who, lad, sixteen year old who uh, had a tragic accident or, or a serious accident when he was only two years of age, and which resulted in him having to have his leg amputated when he was ten. Uh, but he, you know, defied all the odds to come back and represent Ireland at the Amputee Truly World Cup. Truly inspiring story, oh, yeah, by un- Jack. Unbelievable. Yeah. As a lot of the stories were mm. on the night were inspirational stuff. Yeah, we heard um, from Robbie Hogan. Robbie, of course, was Robbie very Hogan, who won Coach of the he, Year. He won Coach of the Year, yeah. He was ill, he was he picked up sepsis and he, he was pointing out in the in, in his, uh, when he spoke to you on the stage, Fergal, that uh, how he was feeling unwell for days and from perhaps longer, very unwell. And uh, his wife was trying to encourage him to go to uh, the hospital to get it checked out and as he said himself like like every man like many men yeah put it uh, off no I, I'll be I'll fine be I'll be grand <laughs> yeah. I'll be grand he wasn't grand um, at, he went into hospital but he said if it was a day later he wouldn't have been around now so that's yeah so great to see him up on stage after Trim Celtic's double success in the in the NFL winning the league and the Challenge Cup he picked up the Coach of the Year award the team of the year award as we've already alluded to went to the Mead ladies and we had Kelsey Nesbitt up on stage for an interview uh, after she, after she yeah. represented the Mead ladies to pick up that team of the year award it's it's their third year in a row winning it and uh, Kelsey gave a great interview up on stage and, and a mm. real uh, a real proud in, representative yeah. of the Mead ladies 
Yes, and we had a Hall of Fame as well, which well, um, that was an award given before the night proceedings ended, and it was given to a. a relatively young man still I guess <laughs> you're just saying that Jimmy because as you, as you said and, on the uh, night uh, we're going to call him he's a relatively young man said Jimmy on the night he's the same age as myself <laughs> <laughs> But that, uh, yeah. that, that was the idea to sort yeah, of. Yeah. Well, he is. He, <laughs> he is, is around yeah, the same yeah, age. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jerry Gorman was the man. Is the man uh, our Hall of Famer 2022? And uh, Jerry, of course, Jerry. Yeah, and he revealed, of course, how um, I was asking. I, I know a good bit about Jerry down the years, of course, uh, following the local league and so on. But uh, in 1994, Jerry went had a chance to go to the World Cup in America. He as part of the official FAI traveling party and it's kind of thing that uh, people would have paid a lot of good money for to do you know but um, everything all expenses paid but he um, he refused the, the chance to go he said he, he felt it was too many FAI officials going or too many officials going and he turned down the chance and it was a very principled uh, approach and he got a round of applause when <laughs> on, on Friday night because of that approach it's, it's a good few years ago now but yeah Jerry of course Jerry has done so much for the league over the years he, he recalled the, 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 the bad old days shall we say the, well the early years of the league when teams were playing in, in fields where they were occupied by cattle shortly before kickoff, and Jerry um, talked about players. You know, the young players these days wouldn't, wouldn't, um, wouldn't have be put up with this. I wouldn't be well, able, he, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be used to something like this t- tugging out under hedges. As he said himself, we'd have to put the boots on in the boot in the boot of the car and take the shovels out of the back and go and shovel the shite off the fields. <laughs> I think they were the words to use. Yeah, and shovel the shite off the fields before they go and play. Yeah, yeah. Completely different now, of course. And, and a lot of that is down to the uh, the drive and the, the passion for local soccer of Jerry Gorman. So we were delighted to induct Jerry into our Hall of Fame. Um, another award given out in the night, of course, was Club of the Year. And we had three great nominees for that. Uh, Mead Bowls Club and... Um, Ratochi A Club who had reached the Senior Football and Senior Hurling uh, Championship Finals but the winners on the night were the Trim GA Club and uh, it took nearly half the night just to go through their list of, of successes uh, mm. from during the year it was uh, the one something like 15 different championships or were contested 15 different championship finals over the uh, through all grades at underage hurling football mm. camogie and ladies football it was a uh, a remarkable year for them and Noel Dempsey picked up the prize for them an interesting thing that Noel said was that they, this is they, this year was a or 2022 the success of that year was a culmination of six years of building of a programme a, a, plan, a planning programme that had been put in place and I mean, you're, you remember that club, Fergus? Why, why, yeah. why, that, that's, that's obviously that's part yeah, well, of the, just, the whole, they, the whole they, setup. They have a you know the lads that, that have won countless senior hurling medals the lads like Declan Murray and Kevin Walsh and, and uh, other fellas Alan Ennis have come into the club and, and have done great work you know and they give their time to the underage structure it'll be easy for these guys with their wealth of knowledge their experience and brilliant just to you know give their services out to other clubs but uh, and, and probably pick up nice expenses for it but he uh these these ads give their time to their under thirteens and Neely Cole is another one gives the time. Uh, Neely I think is involved in so many different teams in, in trim. 
uh, giving their time under 13, 15, 17, 21 and uh, winning senior senior leagues and championships as well. So, yeah, a lot of well, good work goes into well, coaching that, well, the coaches type of thing and getting them up to a yeah, standard. Yeah, well, that's the thing about these clubs, isn't it? The people invest so much in them and this, the most uh, precious commodity of all they invest is time. Mm. And that's what they do down the years and that's what the basis of any club. Another presentation we made on the night rather than an award was just, and I'd like to mention it, was uh, we made a presentation to John Quirk um, every a lot of people out there who uh, go to the Mead games or any of the club games or all around the county, indeed all around the country, will be know, will know who John Quirk is. He's a sports photographer extraordinaire, or as the GA called him a few years ago, sports photographer par excellence. He, he's just uh, a legend of the game. And John announced his retirement just before Christmas that he was putting the cap on the lens for the final time, and and he was uh, he was going to step back. Um, so we just made a little presentation to John Mead, yeah. Mead County Board Chairman Gentleman John Cavanagh uh, assisted in the presentation there and yeah we'd like to wish John hopefully we'll, we'll see plenty of him around and out and about and, but we'd like to wish him the best of luck in retirement there's absolutely no doubt John won't be idle he'll be sitting around he'll be putting up security cameras or doing his garden or changing the oil in the car or something John's a he's always a busy man and mm. uh, looking forward to meeting John out and about when he's not having to lump cameras and equipment around the place he's a uh, pure gentleman and a, an absolute legend of mead sport and absolutely like to wish him i worked the best. with him for years as well you know and wish him best as well all the best to look i'm sure we'll see him around all right absolutely. yeah yeah matches and maybe from time to time yeah so they were the sports awards jimmy we'd uh yeah great night um mixing with the great and the good and as as we said on the night um you know we're we're a remarkable little county, really, for the quality of sports people that we produce. Like, Eamon Murray won the overall sports person of the year, or, yeah, overall sports person, but his other two nominees are Evan Ferguson and Colin Keane. Colin's out uh, in, in Dubai or somewhere, uh, taking a break at the minute. But Evan Ferguson, no break for Evan Ferguson. And uh, he was on the score sheet again at the weekend, Jimmy, with a 85th yes. or 88-minute equaliser for Brighton against yeah, Leicester. Yeah, yeah, came on as a sub there. Like that. And that's, that's his, what, his third game now since he, since he scored against Arsenal in New Year's Eve. That really put him up there in the lights. And now he's, he's got he scored, scored against, against Everton. 4-1 win against Everton in Goodison Park. Yeah. And um, He was excellent against Liverpool. He had an assist against Liverpool. Yeah. That was really good, and and uh, then scored again. So it's it's his third Premier League goal, I think, in five games. Yes. Um, and he has a goal, of course, in the in the Carabao Cup as well. But really, a young man to watch out for, and uh, one that's. I'm sure if he keeps going the way he's going, it won't be long till he's picking up a Mead Sports Person of the Year award. Yeah, so he's in 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 the running. And we just uh, we hope now, you know, that uh, he gets a good run. He's only eighteen, yeah. But he's certainly he's strong. He's he's. Uh, Jeff Selling and the boys on, on Soccer Saturday were going, you know, brilliant header. It was a great header. He just he got across the edge of the the six yard box and sometimes uh, when, when they're moving toward when players are moving towards the ball and they throw their head at the ball it's kind of like a glancing header to glance it into the far corner but he met it nearly with the full of the middle of his forehead and powered it into the far corner and it was just a superb header and the boys on Soccer Saturday were raving about it saying what an unbelievable goal it was and Jeff Stelling was going he's 18 years of age this man is, he looks 28 but yeah. he's 18 and he does I actually saw a picture in the he's paper big yesterday guy, of, big guy, six foot. of him coming on in that game against Chelsea when he was only 14 for Bohemians and he was a big man big broad shoulders on him at 14 years of age but he mm. hopefully now fingers crossed 
keeps the feet in the ground and uh, maybe stays at Brighton for a few seasons and learns his trade and um, as, well, as somebody said as some of the reporters were saying when it, when it comes to uh, the first round of the European qualifiers against France next month he has to start well we'd see it's okay having the physicality and so on but you need the mental sort of strength as well to survive and thrive in in a league like the Premier League and, and Evan looks to have that he does certainly and does. that's so often in the past we've seen very good players now I would strike a word of warning here oh, you know because you know a few hold on hold on <laughs> Pay attention, word of warning. No, word of warning. Um, <laughs> um, a few years ago, well, about 2019, Aaron Connolly, he scored, yeah, he scored yeah. two goals against uh, Tottenham. And, and and he was he was put up in lights there. He was seen as the next great thing. You know, he, he he's, he's a smaller player. He's much smaller than, than um, Evan. But, um, yeah, know, but I think the, the physicality, so- like I remember seeing Aaron for it, oh, you know, the physicality, he has to do a bit of work on that front because he, he's got, he had pace and speed and all the rest of it. But I was thinking that he's, got, if he's not going to be able to take a shoulder of some of these uh, giant centre halves. But yeah, so they're going to have to watch out, you know. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he'll be, I think structure, better structures are in place uh, to guide young players now. I don't think Evan Ferguson will will fall off to such an extent as Aaron Connolly might have, and his father has uh, has been there and done that and and suffered the the yes, disappointment. To, uh, yeah, had suffered the disappointment of, of missing out on being a top class footballer as well. Barry works so with the FAI. Yeah, he'll give him he'll give him great guidance there as well. So look, we'd like to wish him the best of luck. Um, and another player, another person who is going to be in the running probably for next year's awards already just uh, when I was flicking through the results we didn't even know that that uh, this lady was involved in boxing but uh, flicking through the results from the National Elite Championships and I saw the name Judy Bobbitt uh, was crowned uh, 81 plus kilograms heavyweight champion at the National Elite and uh, just sent her a message congratulating her and it's a, a remarkable story for Judy. Judy was a, a, an exceptionally talented goalkeeper, played with Mead Miners, won an All-Ireland Minor uh, B title in 2016, and played with the Mead Seniors, was understudy to Monica McGurk in that first All-Ireland Intermediate final loss. And then she went on to play rugby for Leinster and took, uh, from a well-known rugby family, of course, in Ashburn, uh, the Bobbitts, but uh, played rugby for Leinster and represented Ireland, got capped for Ireland in 2019, um, but then she had her own um, battles with mental illness and, and well documented and she speaks brilliantly about it and, and the troubles that she went through and uh, it turns out that she believes that you know she struggled socially in a team environment and she's somebody that likes to be on her own and work on her own and 14 months ago she turned her attention to boxing and it's remarkable to think that within 14 months of just for the first time ever walking through a gym walking through the doors of a gym She's now the national heavyweight boxing champion um, and a brilliant story, a, a super girl and uh, somebody I had the pleasure of working with when I was involved with the Mead Minor Ladies and you couldn't speak highly enough of Judy, but uh, 
uh, I'm just delighted for her and to see her winning that, well, that national get, title. You often get that, don't you? Where, where some sports person who's very good at one sport is also very good at other sports. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with our one of our guests, Graham Gardy, who was a you know yeah. a very good rugby player as well, and that. Yeah. So Judy and as well, player and, soccer yeah. player, yes, and um, Judy as well is. Judy has um, all the physicality to be anything she wants to be at any sport. Like she's mm. a strong, powerfully built girl. She really knows. She's single-minded, focused, and when she, she said herself, when she puts her mind to something, she wants to do it to win. But with, so, with, with, with Gaelic football and soccer and rugby, there's a connection there. There is some connection. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about this change of from rugby to boxing. Yeah, what a dramatic yeah. change that is. Yeah, and then as she, she took it up, because she felt the individual sport might be something that would suit her mentally, uh, and it obviously has, because she's now a national champion, and uh, it's great to see it, and, and fair play to her, I'm delighted, and... Hopefully there's a lot more to come from Judy. She's still only 23, 24 years of age. Yeah. Um, a, a great girl and uh, we'd like to wish her the best of luck. Absolutely, uh, yeah. In the future. And uh, She's, hope, one for us, another one for us to keep an eye on when you think of Sammy Monaghan doing well for the mm. Ireland rugby team now. And, you know, a lot of this, you have to look back and, and look at the likes of Mary Louise Riley and Jackie Shields and girls like that, Grace yeah. Davitt. That they, they, they laid the marker down yeah. for these girls and provided the inspiration and you you just have to wonder where are we going to be in 10 years time when the success the current Mead Ladies football team is inspiring young girls now so you know it's a little bit of sporadic success for our girls a few years ago uh, as we said with, with Mary Louise and Grace Davitt and, and Jackie Shields has brought this level of success for our girls now where are we going to be in 10 years time long may it continue and hopefully that uh, we'll have many many more national and international superstars well, to well come. again I'd strike a warning there Fergal oh because Jimmy <laughs> warning number two because <laughs> we, we you know back in 1999 we, when we won the All-Ireland final we and we got into another final in 2000 this is senior men's senior football of course uh, 2001 we thought well, we're, we're going to, well, we did, if we thought about it at all, we, you know, you'd have probably reasonably come, came to the conclusion that we're going to get into an All-Ireland final every couple of years and continue on. Mm. Uh, we, as we all know, we have to be back there. We've been near, I suppose, twice, I suppose, in semi-finals and so on. Yeah. But, um, you know, so... Yeah, obviously, obviously you can't just... You can't... You let, can't just let, sit back and well, say, yeah, oh, this it's is so going easy to happen. It can happen, but, yeah. But uh, you'd like to think that the, the inspiration of the current that the current Mead ladies team are given that young players will see, Jesus, yeah, I really want to do this. And um, so I just, uh, you know, I just wanted to highlight Jack or Judy's outstanding achievement of the weekend and we're delighted for her as well. Do you think the underage structures are in place, Fergal, in the ladies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not just talking about, about Gaelic football here. I'm talking about athletics um, no, we're talking in, about in, boxing we're talking if, about horse racing yeah but if we talk about the Gaelic football just the ladies football uh, because we, we want to continue you know oh, yeah uh, well the, looks, the structures are there uh, the, mm. possibly the, the underage structures have always been there because you look back at 2009 and Mead won an All-Ireland under 16 and 2002 they won 2001 they won an All-Ireland under 16 they won a Leinster in 2002 minor uh, so the underage structures have always produced in me that's when they've kicked on to the next level 
that they've fallen off. But and now they haven't. So there's, there's other threats as well in the sense that um, rugby and soccer, rugby, you know, for, uh, ladies. I don't see them as threats. I don't like this Lady word rugby of, is full time. Well, in, I don't like in, in people saying away that another our, sport is in, a threat to no, another sport. No, but in sport. taking away our um, Gaelic football's best, we're talking. But you know, if you talk just narrowly, look at Gaelic football team and um, you know rugby contracts are full time ladies contracts will be full time now yeah. in soccer as well so they, they are powerful attractions for very good young players they are yeah but you're not going to lose everybody so like there was rumours last week that Vicky Wall was being talent yeah. spotted by the IRFU I, I'm sure there'd be others as and, well and uh, I, I sent Vicky a message just to see any truth to this and she says very well I'm going back to the AFLW or, or the WAFL and uh, she said, basically said no she wasn't going to be playing yeah, rugby. No, well, now that could change, of course, right? yeah. as you said, as someone knocks on her door with a big lucrative contract. But Hickey, well, uh, she signed a contract so with with, uh, with North Melbourne. Yeah, so but that's only, one, that's only one year left to roll. So, yeah. again, Vicky's only 23, 24 years of age, so she still has plenty of time. But I, I don't like this thing of, and I'm not saying not having a good deal, it has been said before, and we had this discussion on the podcast before about... Um, <laughs> GA used to say oh we're losing players to soccer we're losing players to rugby they're not your players to lose you know it's up you can if you treat your players properly at any sport they will stay so fixtures need to be cleared up players want to know want a degree of certainty young people want a degree of certainty uh, you're going to be doing this 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 and this at this time that time and the other time but what happens in GA or something is that you mightn't have a fixture. You don't know your fixtures. So, again, me County Board don't like getting criticism, but you're two weeks out from the start of the Fesh Cups. Fesh Cup, Coronavonia and Tolgen Cup. Two weekends, less than two weeks out from the start of those competitions. Nobody knows what group they're in even. Nobody knows who they're playing, never mind when they're playing or where they're playing. And you're only two weeks out from that, and you're less than a month out. I presume we'll get that during this week. Well, it's meant fixture. to happen this evening. The draws right. are meant to happen this evening. Right. But you're less than two weeks out. Yeah, but, well, so um, does for, it really matter, though, who you're playing? You know, it doesn't really matter. You're, you know you have a game that this weekend... No, you don't know you have a game. Well, you don't know when your game is. So, well, you know so, you have a game that weekend. Yeah, but my point is, so if you're a young man, if you're 17 or 18, or even older, 23, 24, and you're playing... Take it from my own club's point of view. You're playing soccer with Trim Celtic, and you know that you're going to be playing at a quarter past 11 every Sunday morning. Whereas the, the fixtures haven't come out yet from the GEA. You could be playing on a Friday night, a Saturday or a Sunday with MGA and you don't know yet. So you can't plan. Whereas mm. if you knew six weeks in advance or whenever, and it's quite a simple thing to do. I've spoken to some um, officials that are involved in the GEA and said, yeah, it should be quite simple to do. Mark down your fixtures, give them a definite idea of when games are going to be okay there can be changes and there will always be changes because the ground will be unplayable uh, there will be bereavements uh, you can make requests for a change and if they're acceptable then make them but give players some sense and that's why I don't like hearing especially the GA saying oh we're going to lose players well isn't isn't that to have this grand scheme the grand the plan they've, they've put a plan in place in recent years where you know, you know everything is yeah. planned in the, you know this weekend is going to be that weekend is going to be championship whatever yeah so basically what they're what, what the master plan of the GA is telling you you're going to be playing this weekend you're going to be playing on the weekend of the 5th of March but what day is it is it going to be Friday Saturday Sunday it's the weekend of the 5th of March block out that whole weekend do nothing else 
because you'll be playing at some time in those three days. Mm. That's very unfair if a lad wants to do a bit of cycling on a Sunday morning, if he wants to play a snooker competition on a Friday night. You know, and mm. they, not, they shouldn't have to be bound to say, right, well, the GA let me know five or six days beforehand what I'm going to be doing. Well, the, the fixtures you're saying should be out tonight to, or to be out tomorrow. Well, the draw, allegedly, the draw, I don't know. Or the draw. Seemingly. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been told. Yeah. But seemingly. Uh, that, that's mm. the rumour is that the draw, the, the, they had a meeting last week and they decided to have another meeting tonight to right. decide on the draw. Who knows? And yeah. But the thing is, it shouldn't be told, oh, you yeah, block out this whole weekend. If you're told, look, you're going to be playing, Karen and Ross are going to be playing St. Bridget's in the first round of the Tulchin Cup on Sunday morning mm. at 11.30. And every two weeks, you'll have a Tulchin Cup game for the next six weeks at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And that way, if you're involved in Castle Villa Soccer Club, you can go to the soccer club and say, look, we've got seven lads that are playing football on a Sunday morning. Can we get our... Uh, NEFL Division 3 game move to a Saturday night or a Sunday evening or something else mm. instead of clashes and encourage, people should be playing as much sport as possible as many different uh, categories of, of sport and as many different levels of it as they possibly can I was watching the boxing on Saturday night Chris Hubank against Liam Smith Liam Beefy Smith and Liam Smith plays soccer for two teams in Liverpool. He plays on a Saturday league, he plays up front, and on a Sunday league, or maybe the other way around, the Sunday league, he plays centre-forward. Uh, on a Saturday, he plays centre-back. Obviously, he couldn't play this Saturday because he was fighting Chris Eubank and knocked him out in the fourth round. Great thing, great fight and the whole lot. Sunday morning, the day after his boxing match, he was up playing for his local club team on the Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Right. So... You know, if it's good enough for professional athletes, it should be good enough for everybody that you can play as many different sports and make it possible for mm. them to do it. Instead mm. of this, no, block out this whole weekend, that's when you could be playing. I love these names boxers have. Beefy Smith. Liam Beefy Smith. My own yeah. favourite was uh, James Bonecrusher Smith. Right. Was this guy back in the day. James, ba- James the- Bonecrusher Gagan. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, so fairly look- we're looking ahead. We, yeah, maybe... Yeah, we got so, off on a bit of a rant no, no, there. No, no, we got, no, no. Well, well, yeah, but it's a fair point, you know, but we... The, the, the season is actually underway in the terms of the the uh, well the ladies and the hurling and so on and we've got the National Football League next week as well you'll be going down to Cork Fergal down to Cork yeah for uh, the opening round of the National Football League and it'll be interesting it's going to be look we could do another whole podcast to preview in the National Football League and the importance of it because the league basically feeds into the championship now so this thing of people not taking the league series Division 2 is going to be an absolute nightmare because there's a possibility with this Tulchin Cup rule coming in now I'm open to correction here uh, because I haven't researched it properly I've just only thought of it now but there are a certain amount of places available in the Sam Maguire Cup the All-Ireland Senior mm. Football Championship the Sam Maguire Cup so that, that's been brought in now that your league standings will determine whether you go into the Tulchin Cup or you go into the Sam Maguire Cup um, by virtue of them winning the Tulchin Cup last year Westmead are automatically guaranteed to play even though they're a Division 3 team right they're automatically guaranteed a spot in, in the, the Mac- Sam Maguire Cup mm. in Connacht the way the championship draws were done for Connacht so if you get to your if you get to your provincial final or semi-final I think, mm, I think it's you semi-final. get to your provincial semi-final yeah. you're guaranteed a spot in the, the Sam yeah. Maguire yeah if you're knocked out in the preliminary round or the first round, 
uh, you're into the Tolchin Cup if you're a Division 3 or a Division 4 club mm. but in Connacht I think Sligo have drawn Leitrim in the quarter final so the winner of that who are a Division 4 team will take up a place in the Sam Maguire mm. all of this, what all of this is doing Westmead's place in Sam Maguire Sligo or Leitrim's place in the Sam Maguire is cutting down the possibility of places for teams in National Football League Division 2 which all Division 1 and all Division 2 teams are meant to be mm. in the Sam Maguire so it looks as if Mead are going to have to finish in the top but they are they, I mean you said all Division 1 and Division 2 teams will be in the Sam Maguire but they won't now because some of those spots are going to be taken up by West Mead and Sligo or Leitrim would they not be added to as well no 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 not added no no they take are you sure? are you, they take yeah, the bottom yeah, two places be, so, so, so if you finish in the, in the final two places in Division 2 you could I, th- I think if you finish in the bottom three or three maybe four players I have to check this out and I don't want misleading people and people going oh fucking Egypt doesn't know what he's talking about mm. but <laughs> they're probably right but um, no. I have to check this out but uh, unless Mead finish in the top four top five of division two they could find themselves if they don't reach the provincial semi-final so I think we play Longford or Wicklow Wex, yeah, Wicklow yeah, yeah, Wicklow yeah, yeah, yeah. in the winners of that game in yeah. in the provincial quarter final so if we get knocked out in the Leinster quarter final there's a strong possibility we end up in the Tolchin that's Cup that's assuming that we finish in the bottom three of division two yeah yeah so right but, so division my point being division two is very very important oh yeah and it's hu- going to be hugely competitive we've mm. already so you can you can take well, for granted Cork, you've got Dublin that, uh, so um, Dublin are, are going to win division two or mm. get promoted from division two we'll take that as almost given yeah bar they just totally disregard the competition which I can't see them doing no they um, won't because they've got Jack McCaffrey back and talk about Manning going back and you know give them so game they're, time. they're not going to they're not going to slip up um, Dublin Kildare Cork Derry mm. ourselves Loud who else have we got uh, is uh, down didn't they win promotion I up think today? we're down not, promo- down not relegated last maybe, year maybe um, can't, can't remember off the top of my head yeah, anyway. yeah. but it's not going to be easy and I know Colin Rourke is saying well you know this is a long term project and he's got so many new players on that panel mm. uh, with this week's paper we'll have profiles on, on the Mead players and when they made their debuts and the many championship appearances they've had you take okay there's a lot of guys with 20 something appearances but they've probably only you know their appearances including the Bourne Cups and National Leagues the amount of players with more than 10 championship appearances and the current Mead panel are very very few you take Don Kyogen Killian O'Sullivan Porrick Karnan take them out of it with a very very inexperienced team expecting there's also to win. The, the style aspect to it he's trying to change the style yeah, move yeah. the ball quicker into the forwards and so on and that's going to take a, a while to bed down shall we say yeah Yeah. so the, so what, what's your what's your prediction so are, are you worried then going into the, these, um, this campaign I'm, I'm never worried I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to me and I always think we're going to win um, we're all beaten in the Auburn yeah, Cup so uh, the challenges in the league are going to be greater it'll, final, it'll be huge it'll be huge test going down to Cork um, I like to think we can we can beat them we bet them well last year it was probably uh, it was the turning point of our league campaign last year where after a poor start 
Uh, we got a good win over Cork in the league and that uh, in Navin. So that's. I mean, Cork are, are really gone down fairly. They're, they're coming they're again, though. The but hill, they are you know? coming again, though. I, I think they are on the rise again. They, they did go down. It's going to be a slow process. They're still the second best team in Munster. Uh, um, well, yes, but uh, yeah, but I suppose Derry you now. Derry are went down to Division Four, and now they're on the way back up. They appointed a full-time operations manager. We'll say to, to sort of look after teams and progress people too. I know we've got a, uh, somebody like that in that in that in position as well. Yeah, well, Paul Garrigan but, is doing that. But well, uh, you know, so full-time. I mean, um, in terms of I know Paul is a coach with the senior team, but yeah, so. Uh, Fergal, you know it's 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 going to be a very difficult um, game down in Cork. Then, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, and Limerick actually is, is Limerick, one of the okay, other yeah. one of the other teams in in the division as well. So, yeah, Derry, you know, Derry, Limerick, Dublin, Kildare, Mead, Loud. It's just well, going to be think so l- difficult. L- without Clare, of with all due respect to, to Clare, Loud Clare as well, Clare, beat Clare, us. Loud, and um, possibly even Derry. We should beat them. We should beat them. <sighs> Derry, I know, yes, I know. Derry beat us well last year. I know they were in the year. All-Ireland. Clare beat us in the All-Ireland qualifiers when things were serious yeah. last year. And uh, Okay, we beat Cork, but I think Cork are improving. Clare and Dublin have had our measure for the last couple of years. I've been really pessimistic here, but so I want to move on for it. I, um, I think... I think we might beat Cork. Hopefully, we beat Cork. We get that win under the belt in the first game. We'll be in a very strong position. Mm. So fingers crossed on that. Uh, we need to crack on, Jimmy, yeah, because yeah. Uh, we, well, we was, you, you were in uh, the luxurious pa- surroundings of DCU. Yeah, well, it was. It's Dublin's for the ladies' match between uh, Dublin and Mead. The, the start of the National Football League. Davy Nelson's first competitive game in charge and all that. Now you know Dublin and Mead ladies' football. It's it's a big game. One of the big biggest games you're going to get and uh, it, it was basically in Dublin's training ground in DCU now it's it, look it's a fine it's a fine place in, in for training grounds for an academy whatever there's lights there's very good lights but it's not a place for a National Football League game between Mead and Dublin, uh, you know, it's just not. There's no. There was no stand. There's no stand. There's no cover there. No, it, it, it was yeah. just. It was just um, a blessing that it didn't rain, and yeah. because if it did, it'd be a mess. You know, between the, uh, between everything. There's no parking there really. There's very restricted parking. I don't know where people must have parked. I'd Parked say, over in Nafina, I think, over uh, Moby Road. Right. Okay. Nafina's, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Were, maybe along the street there outside, but uh, so it wasn't really a suitable place for. Um, for for a uh, national football league game. How did the game go, Jimmy? Well, the game went. Fergal, um, as expected, Dublin started. Uh, scored a very early goal. Carroll roll, yeah. Car- yeah, and built up, built from there. Mead, Mead, you know, you know they had had um, they had their chances as well. They just they just couldn't take them really. You know, they had a couple of goal chances. Young Kira Smith had a brilliant chance when she was very unlucky not to score. The, the Dublin defender did very well to get back and and block her shot. But uh, you know, Dublin had this thing. Now I, I I mentioned in my report as well about how I felt there was an awful lot of fouling of Mead players as uh, in the second half, as they made try to get through for goals. Dublin didn't concede a goal. It, it finished one eleven to not eight. So you know this this is something that's going to have to be looked at by the authorities you know players be re- repeatedly fouling you know uh, up opponents going you, um, you caught up with Davy Nelson after the game Jimmy so we'll just have a listen to that interview here now um, 
So I thought uh, scoreline possibly flattered Dublin a little bit. Uh, I thought we got heavily punished for our skill errors. Um, we gifted them a goal in three or four by my reckoning over the game. They capitalised on it very well, as you'd expect. Uh, but that was crucial. Typical first game at that level, the highest level you know you can get. Um, and then I think we had three pretty good goal chances ourselves and didn't take any of them. That's a huge swing when you're talking about that. So you look at the scoreboard at the end, I think there were six in it. Um, last couple of minutes, they tagged on a couple as they would, fair play to them. Um, overall, I'd be very happy with a lot of aspects of what we did. Those goal chances, they became mostly in the first half. Second mm-hmm. half, Dublin, as Jimmy was kind of pointing out there, they kind of stopped us from, they kind of found themselves from getting in to create goal chances. Yeah, exactly, Gordon. That's exactly what they did you summed up perfectly yourself um, uh, I'm disappointed we didn't take at least one of them in the first half it means an awful lot um, the, not only the three pointer but the emotion on the pitch the way that it, it, it lifts your adrenaline you know from, from a big score um, and they were determined in the second half certainly not to let us in and concede obviously a, a lot of frees um, and I think we got five points in the second half and three in the first three wasn't enough in the first given the breeze we needed to start well and, and and capitalising that we wouldn't need to have scored one, five or six uh, you know but we know we're not maybe as sharp as we'd like to be obviously in January 21 um, and paid for that yeah yeah do you uh, what, what pleased you most about the performance uh, um, maybe, um, well I'm a big believer in the emotion of the game um, like, the, like spirit and character and um, you know we had a couple of debutants there tonight first you know and you have to you know, it's a big step for them and I thought they did magnificently so I was delighted with our debutants delighted with everybody the way they fought um, we took a calculated risk on a return to training for some of the players who've been on the go for the last two or three years and have had a lot of it so some of them are not back that long and it's very early for them you know yeah. and yet they as ever left everything in the jersey and that's what you want you know there we obviously when you have down six of their Ireland winning starters and four subs that, that's a lot to take for your first game back and I thought the girls coped admirably with it in a lot of aspects of the match. Do we need to become a little bit more cynical, almost ruthless? So, you know, that in, um, in terms of. I suppose anything is open for discussion, Jimmy. I, I, uh, it possibly, possibly. Um, <laughs> there, there's, you could go a bit with that, you know. Um, and uh, so possibly, all things are open. I suppose when you analyse, yeah, yeah. difficult just directly after the game. We watch the tape back and just, just see if we can be smarter, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just on, on the venue, Dave. Yeah. What did you make it like, for the All Ireland Champions against the Leinster Champions? It's kind of tough. The most appropriate venue or doesn't look the best. I totally agree, Gordon. We, we only got the fixture three days ago, um, and uh, we assumed it would be Parnell Park, um, and I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, look, we'll play anywhere, you know, no airs and graces with these girls, they're absolutely fantastic. But as you say, fizzing of the game. I was at the games last year in Parnell Park and in Park Chelton, there was three and four and five thousand people at them. You're coming to a you know, a college ground for a, a TG car fixture. As well, uh, I, I, it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. It came, the optics of it aren't good just for the ladies. Yes, game, yes, the game and stuff yeah, like. yes. 
Exactly, exactly. It's 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 uh, you'd expect better. Yeah. 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 Uh, just I saw uh, Emma was here tonight and, and very uh, overqualified uh, uh, water carriers. And, yes. Uh, but having Vicky as well around also shows she's so committed to the group. Oh, absolutely. And, and Emma, is she just injured at the moment? Yes, just just a, a small injury. She's just getting over. Uh, she's going to be available in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, today was a final. You'd be playing her, but obviously this early in the season, no risk. Um, uh, Victoria, uh, Vicky. Is um, back with us at the end of March um, for the whole Please God uh, summer campaign, which will be brilliant. She'll go back to Australia in a couple of weeks' time. She'll so, go back to Australia and come back. Yeah, and goes back, up to, back home to us then, which will be brilliant. And uh, Orla Lally, of course, as well, is also um, doing her rehab and should be available to us in about a month's time, which will be also massive, you know, um, uh, for us. So we're looking forward to strengthening this. injury is a quad injury, just a muscle injury, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Orla is. Yeah, just a niggly one, and Orla is um, knee and shoulder, and just get, getting them right rather than just the wonderful uh, team around medical team etc. So it's just to get these right early, um, so that they don't linger for the season. You know, and that's the main thing there with, with those. You know. Okay, Jimmy, that's so back in now for Mead back on the road next Sunday. Take on Donegal, um, a repeat of last year's league final and a repeat of the All Ireland semi final. Um, gonna have to start getting a win or two under the belt. Yeah, well, Davy is he's 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 saying that the league is going to be about trying out new players and so on, and he's brought in a, a, a couple, of, quite a few players into the panel. So that's what he's going to be doing in the in the next couple of weeks. And he he's no, he's making no bones about it. This is a, he's going to focus on the championship mainly and get the team ready for that. So. Uh, yeah. So an, uh, another man that's uh, using the a pre-season competition, not that the ladies NFL is a pre-season competition, but uh, another man that is uh, using the pre-season competitions to get players and have a look at players is the Meat Hurling manager, Sir Sir Bolfin. Yeah, you so spoke I, to him yesterday. I was in Dr. Cullen Park yesterday for the uh, the game against Carlo in the Kyo Cup after wins over Wicklow and Down. Um, of course as we know the Kyo Cup has been played on a round robin basis with the top team just been crowned the champion of the Kyo Cup so if Mead had won yesterday uh, it would have put them in a very strong position as it is they were beaten 2-22 to 2-16 um, fell behind early on or 1-2 to no score down and never managed to get their nose in front but uh, as you'll hear now in a few minutes in the interview that I did after the game with Shersha Bolfin it's all about um, learning from the mistakes improving um, ahead of the game in the National Hurling League Division 2B against Wicklow in two weeks' time. So, um, you know, they did come back into the game, got the deficit down to three or four points a couple of times, uh, but uh, Carlo finished off strong and won the game. But a uh, couple of, plenty of new players on show, uh, probably a first, I'd say, for the Mead Senior Hurlers that St. Pat's the Mullen had a man made his senior hurling debut for Mead it's good to see Philip O'Brien even though it's down in the programme it's Philip O'Reilly little things like that drive me wrong drive me mad when they get names wrong but Philip O'Brien um, was in goals for, for Mead in the uh, the game yesterday and acquitted himself very well uh, a couple of other boys played really well so Jerry Dwan did well um, in the full back lane James Kelly was excellent at centre back Padre Hanrahan and Stephen Morris worked hard in midfield 
uh, as did Damon Healy in the half forward line um, and, and Nicky Potterton showed up well in the attack but Kyle Donnelly was again very good when he came in as well but just wasn't to be for me then they play Kildare next week so uh, I'll just play that interview that, that we got with Shersha Bolfin um, here and uh, we'll come back then after the interview do often say uh, Shersha that you learn more in, in defeat than you do in victory so you know plenty of learnings from that today and plenty of positives maybe to take forward into training next week and the game against Kildare yeah some positives maybe not plenty of positives some positives uh, and plenty of learnings um, it's, it, look it was obvious last year we played Carlo two or three times the, the level there at the hurling was really crisp today and little th- little things that you know they, they weren't maybe fumbling the ball they were getting the first touch and that makes all the difference they're gaining a couple of yards straight away when that happens so there's plenty for us to work on but, uh, but there's still um, you know there's not, there are positives to be taken from today as well you know at the end of the day I suppose unfortunately our, our, our wide count is up again after a challenge that we had last week so probably more in line with the, the down game but look it's early in the year and we've plenty to work on you know and uh, just getting game time into fellas' legs as well and you're getting to see plenty of players over the course of the Kyoko Cup so it is fulfilling its objective really ah, it is listen I think the pre-season competition is hugely important because if you're not playing these games you're looking for challenge matches and the best way of seeing guys that are training especially new guys in the panel is, is how they I suppose, operate in competitive matches so it's definitely fulfilling its 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 um it, its its role in the calendar world shall it out. so we are like you, we have to be fair to us we've been off that lads training very very hard this year we have to give them game time as much game time as we can so we have been rotating a bit during the, the Q Cup and as I said I find it very beneficial from that point of view you know so three games down and you're happy with the progress so far anyway I suppose look you're, you're never happy to, 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 to lose matches if a game is there to win you try and win it but I would be reasonably happy out where we're at I suppose we're in the middle of a big block of training at the moment and we've another bit of that kind of heavy training to go but listen we're building the whole time I suppose to the first round of the league Saturday week against Wickler which is going to be a huge battle and exceptionally difficult game to win you know Wickler coming off the back of a, a great kind of autumn with, with Bray Emmett and stuff like that so they'll be buoyed by that so because we're still a lot of hard work to go to get anywhere near the pitch that's required to compete in Wicklow Okay So yeah Sir Shabolf and Jimmy so League action getting underway. The footballers, as we said, out next Sunday at half one in Cork. The ladies are in um, are in Donegal. And actually, yeah, you know so what? I have camogie fixtures here somewhere. Uh, if you can talk amongst yourselves there for a while, I'll find them. I know the, the, the camogie uh, girls have a... Well, Aoife, Aoife Minogue made her debut for the Meet Ladies there at the weekend and she, she put in a very strong performance. Now, I believe that she's going to try, she's going to play for the Camogie team as well. Uh, that has to be confirmed. I'm not sure about that just yet. Yeah, just, well, somebody just said it to me that, as far as they were aware. But, um, yeah, well, the idea is, but the Meet Camogie aren't out until, uh, until the 18th of February for their first game of the league. So you have the Meet Footballers next Sunday, Meet Lady Footballers next Sunday up in Donegal. The hurlers are out against um, Kildare next weekend as well before they start their league against Wicklow. And uh, yeah, so even Minogue seemingly is going to try and be a dual player, but already yeah. there's going to be a clash of fixtures on the 18th of February. Well, I, the Camogie team are playing Leash and the Lady Footballers so are I'm just playing gonna, Mayo. Yeah, I'm wondering how that's going to work out because that, on the 25th of February, Mead are playing Kerry in the Camogie in Mead and they're playing Kerry in the football in Kerry on the 25th so. yeah well there's so many there's so it's so difficult for dual players now it's, it's impossible as we, as you're pointing out there yeah. for them to combine so I'm not Aoife would probably have to make uh, the choice for it on the line she'll do some job on the 25th of March to get from a Neil Camogie match probably in, in Trim or somewhere against Derry 
down to Cork for the well, meat footballers. Well, what we don't want is a situation like Faith Poor and Megan tying there a couple of years, two or three years ago. Wasn't it? Maybe she had to dash from one, finish off one game at half time, go off to another place up to um, Inishkeen for the Kamoki uh, match. Now, as, as she showed tremendous dedication, of course, Megan got there in the end, played, did her. Bit for, did as much as she could for both teams, but it's, she was in an impossible situation. So we don't want to see that again. So Fergal, lots of lots going on there, um, as as we see in the the program. But let's let's uh, let's look ahead then, and we'll uh, we'll see how things fare out at the weekend. And next week we'll we'll discuss everything again and see where we were and and recount how what experiences we encountered. So folks, listen. Um, Thank you for listening to this edition of Talk A Good Game. Thanks, Fergal. Thanks, Jimmy. And we'll talk next week. Say hi!